You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest had a miscarriage at 40, leading into a long period of extreme pain. She was then diagnosed with cervical cancer and had a full hysterectomy at 44. During this time, her mother passed away from breast cancer. Then the next year, she lost her father. For most people, this would be a huge feat to overcome. Though Linda Trugawith has endured and managed to turn her life around and is now a leadership coach. Linda works with people to unlock their full potential. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thanks for having me, Ant. My pleasure. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. It's really did I nail great to the see surname? you. <laughs> you. You absolutely did. Well done. I was, yeah. I was, I was a little nervous saying it straight out. <laughs> Don't, don't my parents forgive me two names I've got a spell, which oh, we'll find out later, later on in the show. It's better than Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely unique and special, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. That's what you want in life. So, Linda, <laughs> tell us about your earlier years and your health issues. Well, if I go right back to my childhood, you know, a kid born in the 70s, uh, let's paint a bit of a picture. I grew up being a bit of a wheat bix kid and then found out that I had an allergy to wheat and an allergy oh. to dairy. And, um, you know, that kind of played out in, in a bit of a response around feeling like I've got a cold all the time and mum couldn't figure it out. So I'd imagine that would have been a bit of a pain for her mm. to have a, just a sick kid at home all the time. Then fast forward a little bit to high school, uh, I developed things like glandular fever, which sticks with you around for a while. So I think these days we'd refer to that as Epstein-Barr virus, uh, the correct term. But that meant that I had a term off school um, at a really peak period in my school time, school years. I think I would have been ooh, 15 when that happened. So, you know, exam time and all of that. Mm. And that's, you know, that sort of stuff is basically an early early indication of how your body's dealing with stress on some kind. And I probably wasn't that stressed out at that age, but that sort of um, gives you an early indication of where I was at as I've sort of progressed through life. And, um, you know, I think then you sort of fast forward and we'll get to it. And you've mentioned it already around my forties where my body was struggling as well. So, mm. you know, there's been a long, a long time of me dealing with, some level of not feeling 100% well, just probably just getting by more in survival mode than thriving for sure. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I, I, I often hear from a lot of people because I suffer from, as we spoke about when I was, we were chatting on the phone the other day about um, different illnesses and I've got three autoimmune diseases. And it's funny because I actually had rheumatic fever as a child. And mm. I often wonder whether because of the people I know that now suffer from stuffers at an older age, whether having those diseases at a younger age also put an imprint and do affect us later on and bring on other diseases. It, it's something that I'd really like so to look too. into. I think they've got to, like if I look at, look back and you probably know this from when you were a kid, the drugs that they would have put us on, oh, yeah. um, you know, you've got to take its toll and you, know, you and I've talked about it like, you've just said that you're an autoimmune condition. Um, I've got two as well. But it's, I reckon I was bathed head to toe in things like your topical hydrocortisone, for, you know, because I was always covered in eczema as a kid mm. to the point my skin would bleed. It was just revolting and awful. So, you know, that also then has a bit of an effect on your self-esteem because you look funny. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I had eczema on my eyelids and on my on my throat at one point and on my hands. So um, you know, it was pretty difficult to do a lot. But but I think you know that I wonder if I, <laughs> I wonder down down the track. You you and I are in our fifties. That um, those things have got to build up in your system over prolonged periods of those sorts of drugs that we would have taken back then that they might not have mm. known so much about. And even not about the drugs. I mean, look at what's happening at the moment with some baby powder. It's being taken yeah. off the market around the world because of the asbestos. And it's just like, my mother used to bathe in that stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and bathe us in I, it. I don't, I don't know any child that didn't have that in their life yeah. at some on some level, you I mean, know, I've still got even, it in my cupboard. <laughs> I think I think older ladies use it for different reasons. Yes, same, same, but different indeed. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Although we yes. probably all use it for the same reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. We just don't want friction. <laughs> <laughs> A frictionless life for sure. Exactly, exactly. There's nothing better. So, what was the worst thing? Can I ask about losing your parents so close together? Oh. Well, you know, if the if the mum and dad died in the same year and I think it was dad that, well, dad died two days short of a year later than mum and, mm. you know, my brother, one of my brothers would always probably say, no, you got it wrong again. It's it's around that time. It was either two days before or two days after the annual, the anniversary of mum's death and mum had um, secondary breast cancer and it had gone to her brain. So that period of my life was incredibly stressful flying back and forward to New Zealand and I wouldn't change that for the world because that time with your parents is incredibly yeah. precious, especially living in another country. Um, and then flying back to Australia to make people redundant and you know, being incredibly stressful and having to sort of say to people, you know, they'd ask me, oh, how was your holiday? Every time I'd be away, which would be every couple of weeks, I'd be away for a week from work. And I'd just couldn't talk about it. I really shut down. It's like mm. I just got to the point where I <laughs> just actually really stopped interacting with a whole bunch of people. Um, and then, you know, leading up to dad's death, I remember getting the phone call, dad died, and it looked like it was dad ringing me. And I was like, what are you doing calling me so early in the morning at work? Mm. And it was my brother, and he said, it's dad. He's passed away overnight. And I'm like, oh, gee. You know, I know, I know you know me well enough that in my brain I'm swearing right now. And yeah. so, <laughs> um, you know, those are the moments that you really take stock of your life. And you go, okay, really what it is, what is it that I'm doing? Mm. What is it? You know, if I, 12 months earlier, I'd, you know, had an aha moment around my own personal health and then the death of dad really, um, really compounded the levels of stress that my body was going through and that level of survival you know i i think it's it's one of those things um you know i've sort of i've lost a few friends through that period of time because people just opt out and they don't know what to say to you yeah. and also i don't want to have to explain or justify or comfort other people through those moments where i'm actually under extreme grief and stress um how that played out probably at work was anxiety 
Like I just mm. was in this constant tailspin of anxiety. I was just trying to hide it. And I remember at the time I had a, a staff member who was, um, you know, threatening to kill herself at work. So it's it's kind of, this is, and I can laugh looking back at it now because it's um, not laughing at her situation at all. But if I laugh at the opportunities the universe provides, there's the, the, the universe tends to lump it on all at the same time just to let you deal with it, get it out of the way. Yeah. and gosh you know gosh that's big stuff really big hard stuff and um you know kind of hope no one ever has to experience some of that i think everyone's got their own version of something Mm. and and it's stressful for them so but there was there was just a big accumulation over a couple of years of incredibly stressful things it's just like i look back and i'm kind of I'm doing all right right now, but I've yeah. made the effort to do all right, you know, conscious It's effort. funny that you actually mentioned the anxiety after because my mother only passed away in December and I sort of went from mourning her straight into lockdown, which was a really unusual thing. And I've, I've always had a little bit of anxiety, nothing that was out of control or anything. But I started having really bad anxiety attacks and I didn't know why. And I really do think it had a lot to do with it. Um, Luckily now things here in Adelaide are slowly sort of looking a little bit normal again where we can go out and at least be in a park or have a coffee or whatever. And that's made such a difference because I think that having so much time sitting around to will not focus on it because you try not to focus on it. If anything, you're doing everything to forget it. Um, so therefore it's obviously going to come out in a horrible way because it's just being pushed down and suppressed. Um, but being able to just get back to normality a little really does help with the morning process. It's being able to be around people and see different things. And sure, it's it's those coping mechanisms of ignorance, really, because you are trying to ignore the reality. Um, mm-hmm. But being able to mourn at your own pace rather than being forced into mourning sort of thing. Well, it's, and it's an interesting thing because you're so right. Like if you, you know, people often mistake anxiety for depression. And, yes, there is a fine line. Um, but then you overlay that with grief and grief is one of those things that you've just got to let it come and go. And it, and it surprises me every now and then on days that I think I'm okay, (laughs) but they're, they're just, um, you've just got to go with it. Like grief is weird. I was actually (laughs) laughing with my husband the other day because I, he'd gone to bed and I was sitting up and I actually heard that, um, that Elvis Presley song, um, from the wedding scene in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which I absolutely, oh. it's one of my favourite movie scenes of all time. I love that movie, so yeah. beautiful. Right. Anyway, yes. so every time I watch that scene, I just get all teary out of happiness because it's all about love and marriage. And, mm-hmm. and so I said, oh, I'm going to watch it. So I watched it, just that scene because you can do it on YouTube and watch that mm-hmm. scene. And I was like a little bit teary. And I was like, oh, that was so lovely. Let's watch it again. Put it on again. Watched it again. At the end of it, I'm crying, but it was actually, I was crying all over mum. It was had nothing to do with this happy wedding scene anymore. And it was just like, oh my God, morning is nuts. Uh, I just, I think this is part of what we suppress as humans, you know, mm. we're, we're, we're taught, especially sort of more Anglo society, taught not to express stuff. 
Yeah, very we're, much so. We're taught, taught to sort of just, you know, keep it down or even not, not be... <laughs> not be the shining light that's a little bit different than the rest of the community on some mm. levels um and then with grief it's like i remember my my gynecologist saying to me at the time she said like you need to see a grief counselor and i'm like i know you'll ask me a question in a little bit but i i had a full hysterectomy and and it was pretty major surgery and 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 i was grieving over that because it was such big surgery and it was like a, such a relief in some ways but yeah. then then there was, you know, the sort of the 12 months of grieving and then you grieve for the parents that you've lost and then you grieve for the interactions that you had with them that yeah. you no longer have. And then you grieve, I reckon, you grieve for a person that you think, who am I without my parents? Yeah, definitely. So there's, there's grief on so many different layers that I think is totally underestimated and played down. And I, I just say allow it to happen. I did see a grief counsellor and... Um, it just wasn't the right timing. It was almost like I was going through the motions. I wasn't there yet in, in yeah. terms of feeling it or needing to be there. I just needed to process it for a bit. And I think everyone's timing is different. But I feel for you not being able to have a routine that is normal because I do think it's important. And I do think the relationships that you have with your closest people around you, which you might not have been able to see so much. No. Um, uh, will actually really um, foster the love and joy that you need when you have lost a parent. So um, you'll, be, you'll be getting stepping back into that really soon and it'll be beautiful when that happens. Yeah, definitely. If you like your beauty products to stand out, look a little different and smell amazing, then I'm pretty sure you should check out Sugar Monster. Brand new and completely Adelaide-based, Sugar Monster scrubs are natural body products with a quirky style to them. You'll have to see to know why. All completely handmade, vegan and cruelty-free with skin-loving ingredients that your body will love. Plus, they smell good enough to eat. But don't actually do that. Check out the range at sugarmonster.com.au and support local business. Now, we spoke of it shortly um, before about your autoimmune diseases. Can you share what yours are and just mm. <laughs> Yes. Well, I um I was as part of my sort of if I you know, I've just turned fifty in the the fort was around time around the time that I was forty, I started getting really, really sick and I was in a huge amount of pain with my girly bits as I described them and um, my doctor had uh, sent me on a bit of an exploratory thing with a, a number of doc number of specialists and so I've seen a gastroenterologist and um, he discovered that I had a thing called Chagrin's which um, my brother has and evidently it's not hereditary but kind of like him and I have got it um, and for him it presents like rheumatoid arthritis and is particularly painful and mm. um, for me it affected my teeth to the point where I had no enamel left on my teeth and I was spending a truckload of money at the dentist every time but like I had a really good dentist and um, uh, then um, yeah it affects your skin and your hair and your um, you know saliva and moisture in your eyes so you know eye drops on my best friend and um, my dentist is my other best friend. Well, you're so lucky, though, because you've got great teeth. <laughs> Thank you. It's, well, it's, it's literally because they needed a bit of help. And, um, you know, people say to me, hey, thank you've got such a great smile. But I'm like, well, it's because the, the other part of that they've was... They've been created, yeah. 
<laughs> that, well, having teeth break, and I remember one time it was so embarrassing. Gosh, I was sitting in a meeting at work, and I bit into a nectarine, and then my teeth, my one of my tooth, just crumbled. So, um, oh. you can imagine how embarrassing that is. Yeah, I've, <laughs> had, like, I mean, I've had dreams like that. Uh, it, yeah, and I and I um, so that was just getting progressively worse, and. Um, and then the other one that I've got is Hashimoto's, which is a progressive thyroid condition, so mm. underactive thyroid. And um, I remember and I, you and I were talking about this on the phone the other day. And I remember sitting at work and trying to type a sentence and couldn't figure out why these five words would not come together in any logical order. It was like seriously the hardest thing. And I've been working really long hours long weeks and I had a couple of team members missing and I was in a, a change management role as a, a program change manager. So there was a big program of work, a bit of cash invested in it. And, um, yeah, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I just, um, it's, it was just me looping and I, I just said, I need help. So I went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, if you don't stop working, you're going to be hospitalized. So I did. That's I went and got it all checked out and, yeah, so um, my thyroid had just basically stopped working. So now I've got two thyroid medications that I've got to take every day. I reckon there's a lot more people with thyroid diseases than they know because it's such a, for me, I mean, I went from running 10 kilometres a day, bounding out of bed with full energy, like I couldn't wait every day to start it and stuff like mm -hmm. that where I had to literally pull myself out of bed and that was after not sleeping very well anyway and, mm. you know, gaining weight. And I, the, the one thing I did notice was the thinning, especially with males, the thinning of the eyebrows at the end of the brow. Um, see? <laughs> and basically... Well, I, 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 you can't notice it. You look gorgeous, but, oh, you know, you notice, you notice it yourself though, don't you? Yeah, you, you do. Those little mean, changes. Yeah. And it's those little changes that started to happen. And I mean, I didn't have any idea. And my doctor was the one that was more onto the case than I was. And he tested me. And I then, of course, was diagnosed also with Hashimoto's. And I think mm. that a lot of people need to think that just because they're gaining weight and feeling more tired and stuff like that, it's not just aging. It's not just no. lack of energy. It's not depression. It's not a lot of things. It really really could be your thyroid and go and get that should be the one thing you go and get checked first i believe well see this is the thing with with things like hashimoto's and you know often people like you and i we hide these symptoms pretty well so you know it's one of those things if you yeah. can't see an illness people don't think you're ill and on the inside you're really struggling sometimes even struggling listening to people if you're in that really fatigue mode Oh, yeah. um, and you know, and you pick everything up that goes around too. Like I get colds and stuff pretty easily, but it. I think the thing is, if things are changing, like if your hair's thinning, if you're starting to feel more fatigue, if your uh, ability to hear people is different, and and your processing time to do that is different, pay pay attention to that. If you're if you're feeling levels of fatigue that you've never felt before, and mm. things are affecting you, if you're at, work if the people are you know you're not able to communicate as effectively with them or able to interact as well with them then pay attention to that because it's hormonal changes in your body on yeah. some level that you can actually do something about whether it's through medication in my case it's um 
medication and I also have um, a support team around me, but I've chosen that. And I know you're going to ask me some questions about that stuff in a, in a little while, but it's you can choose to feel better. You can choose to feel better and be the person that you feel like you once were or want to be again. And it's yeah. easy. It's easy, but you've got to know how. That's it, exactly. I am 51. So you do start to forget a few things here and there, but it was even things like I would, I would be thinking of a word or I'd be talking to my husband and be saying something. I'd be like, and I know what this thing is, but I just couldn't think of the word. It would be like, you know, those things and it's like a box and, you <laughs> and I'd have to go all around trying to describe what I was talking about. And then he'd look, I'd totally he'd get that. look and it'd just be like, you can almost see in his eyes, like, have you literally lost the plot? Because you can't think of the most simple word, and it could be fridge. <laughs> well, this is, see, this is the thing where, where you've got such, I mean, we're laughing about it, but in reality, your body doesn't fire up the same way. And, you you know, you're talking about metabolism. You're talking about how your body renews itself. You're talking about those sparks to the your, your neural pathways that fire up your brain and actually manage. It's like you're... you're motherboard on your computer it's that thing that actually drives what your body does and we underestimate it all mm. it, it's not to be underestimated not it's not all. to be it's not to be worried about because the more worry we've got the more stress we have and that takes us down a whole different path but the most peeved i'm about is that i didn't get the overactive <laughs> I've thought about that too. In fairness, yeah. we've just got I've to always, know. I've always had to. I've always had to keep a bit of an eye on my weight. You know, oh, um, I never those did. I used, to, I used to be jealous of people that could put weight on. I got it back in tenfold. Let me tell you. <laughs> hey, you're human. Oh, exactly. yeah, exactly. So, tell us, how did you get into the work field of work you actually do now? Well, originally it would have been, um, I've, I've been in roles that have been made redundant quite a few times in organisations and particularly here in Australia. And I think it was back in 2009 and I was working with a really awesome outplacement consultant, so a career coach. And I was in a workplace that was incredibly stressful and I was seeing a psychologist at the same time who was giving me really, really good tools. She was, she was firm but fair and really practical and just what I needed. And together with him, the, um, the career coach, uh, I was like, I want to do that. So I started studying um, psychology and HR and then I went down the coaching path and I learnt um, um, a qualified coach and neurolinguistic programmer, um, programming practitioner. And those things are so effective to help yourself first in order to be able to help other people. But they were inspiring. You know, it's always the people that you meet or the lessons that you learn that take you on a different path. And, you know, I probably, I would love to say I've had some amazing mentors in the workplace, but I probably haven't. I've yeah. gone and found that out. Anything out on my own that I've wanted to learn about, I've just gone and done it. And I think it's that level of curiosity that takes you down a, a path that is um, sometimes not always planned, but it, it you know, if I look back at my experiences and the health stuff that we've just talked about and what I chose to do, it's it's making conscious choices that are right for you, but knowing yourself first is part of that. Yeah. It's a good thing too because you you because you didn't have those role models, if anything, you then learnt what people do need and that isn't out there. 
Well, it's a bit of an introvert as a kid, so I think there's the power of observation in that. Yeah. Um, it means that I'm a bit, little bit slow sometimes in speaking up, but but I am able to stand back and look at the lay of the land and then anticipate what people need before they need it. And, you know, so everyone's got a superpower. So if you're an introvert, use that as a superpower. If you're an extrovert, be a podcast host. That's <laughs> I'm not saying you are, but, you know, but there's, there's power in the art of the conversation that comes together to be able to help people understand that they're not alone and, um, in their own heads, like we've mm. probably all been to some degree in the last yeah. couple of months. Um, but everyone's got something we can share with someone else. It's really powerful. So what is the key thing you believe helps a person work towards their full potential? Knowing yourself. Yeah. Absolutely getting really clear. Um, I don't know if uh, I work with people at the time that feel like they've lost this themselves or they don't know who they are in a relationship or the work they're doing is not really setting their soul on fire anymore um, or it might never have and they've just been muddling through and they get to the point where it's just like, this is a bit average and I don't want to do average anymore, but I don't know how to be myself is the common thing. Um, so what I, what I did for me was get really clear on what I needed. So I think with a lot of people, the, the term life coach, when people hear that either don't really get it or have the wrong idea about it, and I'm going to explain to them <laughs> on, with my own knowledge. So I basically met um, a gentleman who was counselling a friend of mine and I knew this guy quite well. He then said that he was now becoming a life coach. And I was quite enthralled by it. And I was like, oh, what? I'm interested. What's this all about? So I was asking him and he said, look, basically we can work towards setting some goals for you and then we're going to achieve them. And I was like, well, that sounds great. Let's do it. So we worked together. I think it was over, I think, 12 weeks or something like that. And the first week we sat down and we basically... He, he just said to me, he said, what are some of your goals? And there was me going, I want to be able to exercise more and did it. And he went, no, no, what are your goals? Not, not these every day. He says, I want to know your dreams. Aim for the highest things. And that's when fear set in and I was like, oh, my God, here we go. So I was like, okay, well, I want to be able, I want to sing for the first time on stage. I want to write a children's book. Um, I can't remember the other list, but there was about eight things. That man, week by week, sat there and got me through those 12 weeks and I literally did every single thing on that list. And people were just sitting back going, I can't believe you're doing all this. And I'm just like, well, that's why you need a life coach. But it was literally, <laughs> it, was, it was almost like a a mixture of, the fear was tremendous, put it that way. And I mean, the fear in, in doing these things was tremendous. But at the same time, the guilt of wanting to do what I had said that I was going to do and also having to answer to him the next week in our next session just made me do it. It really did make me do it. It was brilliant. It's, it's funny, isn't it, that that level of accountability and doing it for almost for or with someone else is powerful mm, so um, is. because because if we were going to do it we'd already be doing it exactly so sometimes we need someone to support us handhold us and encourage us through through that and actually back us yeah and people would probably people have always said to me since like they've always gone like how do you just pick up these things and do it 
And it's because I've got that belief now. He instilled such a belief in me that now I'm able just to have that confidence in myself and go, well, I'm just going to go and do it. I love the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, as you know, I've got a I've got a coach too. You know, we all need people. Um, mentioned earlier about my health stuff. I had a team there helping me. I call them my team. They all know I call they they're my team. But that's how they are to me. It's like knowing that you're not alone and doing yeah. your life on your own is powerful. It's just like doing things on your own is isolating and mm. a bit boring sometimes i mean you know during isolation i've been here by myself doing zoom sessions and that's great but there's nothing like real people and present people backing you and it's 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 necessary i think we yeah. forget that and we i think the beauty of it is being challenged too because they challenge you but in a good way well having someone called bs on your thinking yeah that's you know, it. your thinking determines your outcomes and your behaviour. So if you've if you're stuck in a little bit of a groove of it, it, it's okay, self sabotaging cycle means that if you've got someone to call you out on it, you, you're going to get unstuck pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. In that way of thinking too, what was your aha moment in between all of this to turn your own life around? Oh. I think I'd had a, I think just on the self-sabotaging bit, probably before mum and dad passed away, I'd, I'd, I'd been working in my own business and then when mum um, had breast cancer the first time, I went back into the corporate world and I always said I'll only be there for two, two years. So I'd sort of, uh, two years became five years and oh, close to five years. And um, it was it was just when mum passed away and I was at home with my partner at the time I was with him for 10 years and, you know, I just had my hysterectomy to to the cervical cancer and endometriosis and it was, I was in a world of pain and I was the most uncomfortable on so many levels that I'd ever felt. And as you know, you've just heard that I've been sick a fair amount of my life. But this was the point where I was like, I said to my partner, can you take a photo of me? Because I never, ever want to feel this bad again. And I was, um, I was puffed up, inflamed, and in pain emotionally and physically and energetically, and I was drained. And I didn't really want to be around myself, and I didn't really want to be doing that anymore. So I, I made that choice. That was the big kick up the bum for myself. And then I went on a bit of a discovery path of what it was that I did want. Those coaching skills come in handy for self-coaching sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen that photo and what a difference. What a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, well, it's, it's good that I shared that with you because I, I kind of feel like I'm, I was my older, fatter, chubbier sister back then and I'm yeah, now, yeah, yeah. you know, that's six years ago. So I, I feel... Well, I've got my <laughs> wedding photo to work back from. <laughs> <laughs> Because I look at that and go, who is that person? <laughs> I'll just get redone though. <laughs> just get remarried and exactly, you know, exactly. Have a cel- you'll be up for a celebration soon. That's what it's all about these days. Celebration yeah. of life. Yeah, I think so too. You might be able to have more than 10 people at your next yeah, wedding. That's it. So what are some of the personal lessons you've learned that you now pass on to your own clients? So especially around building resilience, you know, 
a lot of a lot of my clients come to me because they're really stressed out and lost and mm. that's a summary version of it but if I look back at what I did at that time where I you know just after I said to my partner I'm done with it I can't feel like this anymore um the first thing is what's your catalyst for change do you need one and can you just like if you're not where you're at right now what do you need and that was really for me about mapping out where I wanted to be and allowing my space that myself the space to do that so no one else drives my bus for me it's I, I make the choices and I've yeah. got to be the best I can be for myself um I can't blame anyone else for my choices um so then I kind of started to envisage envisage what that would look like and I stepped into it so that's probably using some of my NLP training but you know a lot of sports a lot of athletes actually do that they actually see themselves doing the thing that they want to do in the future and that's what I did and you know it's it's, it sounds like a simple thing but super powerful and then I really broke it all down broke it all down so I started to break down what it was that I saw and how I could actually achieve that and then I started investing in things that are going to help me achieve that so you know, I was never one for a whole lot of shopping and things like that. I love travel, but I, I really started investing in um, the things that were going to help me feel better from a health and wellness perspective. So I got an amazing functional practitioner. She was great, learned so much from her, started looking at my nutrition and what I needed to do based on where I was at. Um, at that point, I was in um, menopause because I just had my hysterectomy. So, you know, it was a whole different layer of things that I needed to work through. So you can imagine menopause, sort of Hashimoto's bubbling away and yeah. chagrins in the background. So it was that sort of balanced high cortisol levels. And the levels. worst thing too is the symptoms are so similar. <laughs> oh, and they all compete for each other as well. Um, you know, then I, I did at some point tune back into another um, psychologist for grief because that was, um, you know, coming up in situations like a, I think the trigger for that was the person who had threatened to kill herself at work. And I, I it was, you know, I'm so lucky that I was able to support that person through that. Mm. Um, I got myself a personal trainer and a and coach as well because we all need support to your point around goals. So yeah. I really needed someone to hold me accountable for that. And then I started looking at the different parts of my life. So once I had that under control, the stuff that was going to give me energy and help me get back on track and feel more energized um, and feel more positive, uh, I really started to look at the career side of things and what was I doing there. Um, You know, then I I was sort of exposed to a few different experiences which led me to um, being able to help people in a different way. They were also quite stressful, but it's, you know, kind of funny when you're really stressed what you get is more stress for a while until you figure out that you can break that cycle um and then through all of that i guess the the it sounds really simple too but the more i like myself and the more i trusted myself then i loved myself more and i was more open to the right kind of love for me and um being able to love other people Mm. not just um my intimate partner but friends and stuff like that because I hadn't been very open for a long time. I hadn't felt like I was giving to myself or other people Um, and then made some choices which were right for me but also hard but courageous like ending a long-term relationship and, you know, he's now extremely happy and in a great relationship and funny when you make those choices you think, you know, I'm just going to be me for a while but 
you know, then I've met the love of my life too. So yeah. it's kind of, um, he just happens to live interstate. So it's a bit tricky, but, um, but it's really funny that as soon as you decide what you want for yourself, those opportunities come and it flows and mm. it, some days are not easy, but you've just got to trust the process and it's totally true. Yeah, definitely. The key is backing yourself though. I think that's the big difference. Definitely. Make sure you subscribe to Ants Talk. Who needs coaching, would you say? Well, the people I work with uh, are people who, well, I, I work with a lot of leaders. That's where I've been sort of working in the last few years um, as a, a consultant and also um, in my own businesses. But I, I specifically work with people who are really stressed out and need to find themselves and need to figure out where their joy is in life. It sounds quite fluffy, but they're actually really um, important things that we need. And often, if I look at the people I work with in the workplace, leaders as a uh, leading teams, they're the ones that don't have anyone looking after them, and they're looking after their teams, but no one looks out for them. And that's where I can really help them mm. focus on what they need. Um, help them reduce conflict and um, build their confidence back. Because having a good leader, I think it's really important in any sort of work situation because it's so easy when people work as part of a team for things to happen within that team, sort of, you know, bullying, favoritism, you know, depression, anxiety, all that sort of stuff purely to not only do about, you know, to deal with the performance at work, but also each person's individual issues. So having a leader that can sort of, you know, not only grapple with the work stuff, but also be on that intimate level where they can actually interact with them about their personal lives and make them feel like they're, they're supported and part of this team is only going to make that, that team excel at whatever they do. And I, I think a lot of people don't realise that. And it's so important to have people trained as leaders it really is important. And I remember some of my first leadership roles and it was I was always taught, you know, you don't need to worry about that person's personal life. Well, that's true because that's their responsibility. But you need to know someone on a more personal level mm. to know that you can build that trust and they see you as someone that they can trust as well. Um, when and we can we always live with compassion. Absolutely. And and you don't have to know someone intimately or personally on that level if that's not your thing, but actually just be interested and curious about who they are and what they do. Yeah. Um, or just, just deeper connections anyway. Yeah, yes. just be mindful. It's not like you were to go and say, listen, I'll go and call your husband and tell him what we think. You're just going to say, <laughs> yeah. well, listen, you know, right. do you feel okay about going into this today and leading this? Is that okay? It's the simplest, simplest things. It really is. Just because you step into the four walls of a, of a workplace doesn't mean to say that you have to throw all your um, values and beliefs out, out the window and stop yeah. being yourself. And the best leaders are the most authentic leaders. Yeah. They I know agree. themselves. I completely agree. And also the ones that are willing to be vulnerable and show you a vulnerable side. Yeah. Well, you know, you think of some of the, in this time, so we've got lots of great examples of, Good, well, good and bad of, of strong leadership through the management of, of the pandemic in different countries. Mm. And I think we all know where there's some standouts and some particularly poor, 
poor management in terms of <laughs> communication yeah. and interaction with people generally. Um, strong, confident leaders who are not arrogant and genuine are the ones that are going to be trusted by their people when it's a hard job to do. Yeah, definitely. So, Linda, how can people find more about you? Where can they find you? Okay, well, I'm going to ask people who are listening to grab a pen because, you know, earlier I said I've got two names you've got to spell. <laughs> and um, so you'll need to write this down. So the best place to go is, um, well, I am on Instagram and LinkedIn and things like that as well. So you'll find me in these places. But lindatregowith.com, and I'll spell that for you. And, of course, it's www, but www.lindalynda.tregowith.com. T-R-E-G-O-W-E-T-H dot com. So that's the best place to find me. Um, and and I, I didn't talk about this with you the other day because it's just something that has come up today. But I, I'm actually offering um, a couple of emotional quotient assessments. And I think now the reason why I'm doing that, there's two I'm offering for free and they're worth $750. But wow. right now I'm seeing people need some insights into where they're at right now and especially if they're a little bit stressed out and they are struggling with being heard or communicating really well i would love to help them out help them understand what their blind spots are right now so they can uh, drop me a line all i would say is um that they just mention ants talk in the subject line if they get onto my email fantastic how exciting so what i might even do is when i actually pop this this episode up, I'll actually attach your website underneath just in case people didn't have a pen on them. <laughs> Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So, Linda, let me, let me just reiterate for everybody, www.lindalynda.tregowith.com. Beautiful. Oh Thank gosh. you so much. My I know. pleasure. <laughs> Well, Linda, thank Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I think what you've been through is amazing and it just goes to show that belief in ourselves and with the power of change and the ability and the knowledge behind you, we really can change our lives and do anything that we want to do. That's what you've taught me. Thank you. Thank you for for sharing your stories with me too. um, I think you're very very fortunate to have been uh had this conversation with you today so thank you thank you all right darling i shall speak to you soon thank you thank you ants talk it's like oprah but not